All right, I feel like we finally found our groove. I do like too. And this now. you just took five minutes to download a buzzer. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get to use it today. Oh, I'm feeling okay. confident in my right. ability to guess uh, guess your plant. All right. I'm going to give you five clues and let's see if you can get this today. You ready? Mm-hmm. It is an herbaceous graminoid. Okay. So, which means it's a. Graminoid it's, means grass like. Gra- yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it gets up to six feet tall. Okay. It is a facultative species. So it's wetland okay. indicator status is facultative. Um, it's native to most of the continental United States. That the one didn't help me. <laughs> except for the West Coast. Okay. So you won't find it on the mm. West Coast. And it can take up to 10 parts per thousand of salinity. Ooh. That so it is, a, it, it is a grass. It's facultative but has – but can take salinity that, uh, properties. Ooh, that gives me – I'm thinking of two, and I'm not sure which one to pick. I'm going to go uh, Panicum Vergatum. Ah, I, my sound effect didn't work. Hold on. There we go. You got it right. There we go. All yeah. right. Man, I was hoping to stumpy so I could use the buzzer sound. I know. I told you. I wouldn't feel <laughs> so confident today. Pretty good. So, yeah. So, today, you know, I've been trying to mix it up a little bit. We've done a tree. We've done a shrub. Um, so today we have a grass. We're doing Panicum Vergatum, which is switchgrass. You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. So what would you like to know about switchgrass? You got any? Oh, I... Or you know a lot already, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I know a fair amount. Uh, let's see. What's, what is the last line on, on your sheet now that you've turned it over that you can see? The last one is used in phytoremediation. All right. I just needed to make sure where my where – my, <laughs> which which items I can choose. I don't want to read out something that I'm going to have gotcha, to use later. Gotcha. Well, I guess that's the first thing that we should talk about is how is it used in phytoremediation? So because it is, it is so fast growing that it does have properties in which it can take pollutants out of the soil or out of water. And take it up into its stalks, and then it can be cut off and removed. So, um, typically, a lot of fast-moving, fleshier type things can do it. You know, cattails is good for phytoremediation. Iris uh, versicolor. Some of the birch are good for phytoremediation. So, this is this is one item that can be used for. You know, if you have some contaminated soil. It will very slowly, albeit, but it can take some of those contaminants out of the Which soil. Which is a pretty amazing thing that plants can do. There's and a lot a lot of plants can do this, but some of them can do it really, really well. I agree. And this is kind of one of those plants that can really do it better yeah. than than most. I I agree. Now, one of the things that's I've always found interesting about this grass is when it grows. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about? When when you're going to see it in the, over the course of the year? So it, it's really more of a warm season grass. So warm season grasses not only need heat, but they also need daylight uh, before they start to 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 get good growth. So I'm not saying that they're not going to grow early. They'll grow, but they really once you get that longer day, like mm-hmm. they'll they'll really start to take off more in May and June. Then March and yeah, April. so they need it needs warmer soil. It needs a little bit more sunlight. That uh, that day length plays a big part in when it's gonna when it's gonna start really. I, uh, I don't want to say start growing, but become present on the landscape. I guess is one way. Of yeah, I, yeah, definitely. So it's it's uh, it does. It, 
you know, it is facultative. So that's one thing. Like it can take some wet areas. Like we said, it, it can, you know, if you have it along a brackish waterway and in a flood zone, it can take that condition. It can also take it dry. I've, yeah. I've seen it like in a lot of drier conditions, but it does like full sun. Uh, can take a little bit of shade, but if if you get it in heavy shade, it's just going to flop. Yep. You know, it's not. You're not going to get that sturdy upright branching. Yeah. It's just going to fall over. Yeah. So, um, so, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say one of the things, uh, another interesting thing about this grass is just its appearance. Can you tell us a little bit about its appearance because it's well, it's a grass, but it's not what most people think of when they think of grasses. It's not like your your lawn grass. It's a different kind of grass. Tell us yeah. a little about how it looks. So, you know, to me, it's funny. When, when I identify it in nature, it's you, – you can tell even when it's cut back because it's in more of a clumping form. But even though it's it's a clumping form, it does slowly spread by rhizomes in all directions. So that clump just gets bigger and bigger. It's not like where it's a free-for-all where it would spread like turf, but it's it, it stays in that clumping form and just slowly becomes larger and larger. So it is uh, – it does spread by rhizomes. Uh, the leaf blades are like two and third inches across mm-hmm. and about two foot long. Um, usually medium green, less often blue. There are there are a lot of green varieties. There are a lot of blue varieties or cultivars. There's like cloud nine and and mm-hmm. things like that. So um, it you can get some blueness out of. That's the yeah. beautiful thing about the Was it uh, Dallas see, Blues. Is Dallas one, right? Blue? Did you say that? I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. So, you know, so it's one that you can get a little bit of blue or green, but that's the nice thing about seedling diversity. If Mm -hmm. if you're doing seed, you're going to get a, you're going to get the range of it, but more often than not, it's, it's green. Now it's a grass, but it also has a flower. It it is. So it's, 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 it's an inconspicuous flower and it, it, it kind of has burgundy anthers. Um, and the stigmas kind of dangle from the panicles. Mm -hmm. So I know we're throwing a lot of, fancy fancy terminology but i think it's good to kind of get familiar with this terminology as we move forward because it's in you know it's it's the most accurate way to describe it but it's it does have these pink tinged flower spikes they only rise about maybe a foot or two above the foliage so you may see some native grasses where it's you know this the flower spikes are five foot uh, Mm. above the foliage but this kind of stays low so six foot I would say including the flowers is the range that you're looking at as far as that. Um, and it does kind of bloom midsummer is when you're, you'll start to see those. those. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a good way to describe the flower spikes. Not like, you know, the one cultivar cloud nine. It is kind of like cloud-like. They're very yeah, soft. They're, they're, it is soft looking. It's um, uh, there's a lot of texture <laughs> there which yeah. doesn't come uh doesn't describe well over uh, a voice no. medium <laughs> no and we do recommend you know unfortunately the one thing that you don't get while you're listening to this is the visual so make sure you look up the plant that way you can at least see what you're looking like many of you may already be familiar with this but it's good to just do a quick search and, and get a visual of that plant so that you know it as well now although it, it has that flower but it's I see it's wind pollinated. It is wind pollinated, yeah. Does that mean it doesn't provide any any benefit to any wildlife or anything like that? No, no, not necessarily. So um duck, upland game birds, uh songbirds, small mammals, uh they use it for cover, uh, which is really important as, as far as the, the food web goes. And it's um the seeds are an imp- important food source for those too. So seed is very valuable, but Butterflies, moss, uh, use it as a larval host plant. Skipper butterflies, um, 
Panagum vergatum is a host plant for that. Mm -hmm. So it does have value that way. White-tailed deer, uh, they'll paw up and eat the rhizomes uh, when winter food is scarce. So the rhizomes are a good food source. So it does have a a multitude. And it's not what you think of when you think of uh, contributing to the food web, but it is a larval host. It Mm -hmm. it does provide food and cover, which is really important. And I know one of the things I've I've read through a a lot of these, like uh, National Deer Association, those kind of organizations – as from a habitat standpoint for deer is it provides some good bedding cover. Um, and the deer don't necessarily eat it. I guess they eat the rhizomes yeah. over the winter, but they won't eat it as the year goes on. And it provides really good screening for getting in and out of areas if you don't want the deer to notice you. So yeah. that makes it a really cool plant for that. Exactly. So one thing uh, that is important to mention that even though it has value to all these animals, um, it is likely to be poisonous to dogs, cats, or humans. Um then cat, horses and cattle, it's not as bad, you know. But hor- humans, cats, and dogs, you know, poisonous. But you know, cattle may, if they were to graze on it, I don't think it's as poisonous to cattle and horses. So, um, the plant itself, it, it is, it can live ten years or more, mm-hmm. um, and it does have an extensive fibrous root system, so it, it can go down ten foot. So when you see some of wow. these like, like cross sections of like meadows, you know. Panicum is deep rooted, like yeah. it has a it has a big root system. So, but in your yard, it it can be a a standalone plant, mm-hmm. you know, given the space uh, and the way that it clumps. Or you can do a nice mass, and it does provide nice screening, uh, something around a pool, or like I said, just one. And it it's it's a good. It's a good sub for a lot of people have Japanese silvergrass, which is my Miscanthus sinensis in their yards, mm-hmm. um, of all different shapes and varieties, and they are invasive. Panicum vergatum is a really good substitute for that. You can kind of get that same beauty and size, um, and you can get if you if you want cultivars that are blue. I think they even have a cultivar that might be like a really dark blue, also mm-hmm. that. There, there's there's different value there, and you're also providing to the food web by putting that in your yard. Very, very cool. So are, so, are, are you ready to be stumped? I, I'm not ready to be stumped. I'm ready to <laughs> continue to get these right, but, uh, but you can try again. All right. Let me see what I got here. Let me – I have to uh, pick pick four and give you one wrong one. Let's see. My mission is to not let you use that buzzer All right. in, in perpetuity for as long as I can. All right, so one of these will be incorrect. Uh, switchgrass is an important prairie grass in biosequestration of atmospheric carbon dioxide. You're throwing a lot of big words at me there, Fran. I am. Thinking I might not know them, but I, I know at least what the parts might mean, and I can put them together. Uh, switchgrass has been researched as a renewable bioenergy crop since the mid-1980s. Again, some big big words in there. I'm hoping I can <laughs> decipher this. Uh, the Native American Indians used uh, switchgrass for its di- diuretic properties and also used in uh, the making of bandage packing. Okay, that's plausible because like we've said, it's everything seems yep. to cure uh, diarrhea. Uh, switchgrass can be used as a feedstock for biomass energy production for ethanol and butanol. Okay. And switchgrass can also be used as a hay. Okay. That, so those are a little bit – there's nothing that really stuck out to me. 
I really had to dig deep into. I think I was getting a little too outlandish with my last. The the Kenny G one, like it was a little over the top. I I think I was able to to say that which one of these things is not like the other. This one's a lot tougher. Um, I'm gonna use my background knowledge. Okay. And say that I've actually heard of uses for four of these. I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. And while it seems like every plant. Is able to cure <laughs> diarrhea. I don't think this one can. Is that your answer? That's Final be my answer. answer. You are correct. Yeah. Wow. I I remember I went to a presentation and it was all about how um, they were using uh, um, switchgrass for all different kinds of applications, like biofuels, and uh, and then using it as uh, a pasture grass for cattle. Yeah. So that kind of led me down to say, well, that's the one that. I haven't heard it used for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it does get used uh, to make pellets for pellet stoves. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a common use for it, and it's getting more and more popular because it's it's relatively uh, inexpensive to produce, and it's also used as a ground cover for soil conservation uh, and to control erosion for forages and grazing as game cover. Very cool. And so I had a lot to choose from for that one. I tried yeah, to yeah. totally mix one in, but I knew you would know enough on that one to. <laughs> the, so I still have not gotten to use. The buzzer that I took five and minutes. And like I said, I'm going to try and make it so you can never use the buzzer ever. So, <laughs> I'm okay with that. But so th- here comes the most important yes. question that everyone wants to know. Would you plant this in your yard? I, I totally would plant this in my yard. I, I don't have it now, and it's not because I don't want it. I just haven't gotten to that yet. But I think it makes a great specimen or a good mass planting. Um, you know, certain parts of my property, I think it would be great for cover because we want to promote mm-hmm. wildlife and 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 be a part of that that food web for for animals and insects and pollinators and i think this is a great plant to do that yeah personally i don't think i would plant it in my really? yard okay and it's it's more so i've heard some folks say how it can spread really aggressively yeah and uh, that scares me for my yard now okay. we have a farm and we're trying to create a lot of uh like wildlife habitat at the farm oh that's a great plant i think the issue what we might be is we want to have a lot more diversity and this might take over a little bit too much, but that's something we can control through prescribed burning and mowing yep. and, and things like that. So we can increase that diversity. So I'm, we have a lot of ground we want to cover. It's a great plant for that. But in my yard, uh, I, I'm still too scared to plant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. We're, we're, we're banging through these. I'm looking forward to this. I'm getting more excited. Yeah, for, yeah for we are next... more than halfway through our first week. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're, we'll see you tomorrow. We're going to finish out this week strong. All right. Sounds All good. Right, see, you see you later. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey, everyone. This is Fran. And Tom. And we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.